Hello, Jack Cavendish here. Wanted to take a few moments to speak with you about something I'm quite passionate about. Lurking fears. If you love Cthulhu and Cairo and want to feel the same dread, terror, and occasional triumph, make sure to check out Lurking Fears when you head out to your next gaming convention. With a wonderful group of demented and wildly gifted storytellers, Lurking Fears is able to weave tales that will haunt your dreams and steal your sanity, which is something I know all too well. While specializing in Call of Cthulhu, Lurking Fears also runs a host of games from a variety of other systems, so there's literally an adventure for your every taste and style. They're committed to running heavy RPG adventures, which are driven by the narrative and, of course, by the player's choices. So do check out their Facebook page and make sure you follow them to find out which gaming conventions they will be at next. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. Well... It looks as if Faye is jumping headlong into yet another nightmare scenario. And if I know anything about this Keeper Raz, it's that we're likely facing hell on a horse with us under hoof. So I'd best load my weapons and head over to lend a gun, or two, just to keep the odds even. This episode is sponsored by our Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much for your continued support. If you're not a member yet, you can join our Patreon for as low as $1 per month to support the cast and crew of The Bardic College. Unlock bonus content featuring your favorite players, get exclusive access to shows you can't find anywhere else, and even get a chance to have Raz run a game of your choice. Visit us online at patreon.com slash thebardiccollege. You're listening to a 7th edition Call of Cthulhu podcast titled Cthulhu in Cairo, brought to you by The Bardic College. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to the show to receive notifications as our future episodes release. You can visit us on Facebook at The Bardic College. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome back to another episode of Cthulhu in Cairo. I'm Raz with the entire team of The Bardic College, and we are so pleased to be with you tonight. Uh, thank you for stopping back. This is probably somewhere around like episode 104 or 105, somewhere like that. If it's 103, don't get mad at me. We kind of do these in, a, in advance, and I don't know exactly how far ahead we are. But anyway, when we last left, we had everybody on three different continents. We are working towards making that at least two, maybe get down to one. That would be awesome. But we're going to start off with Vadim, because when we left last left Vadim, he had just gotten his kids back, and he had reached out to the switchboard in London and let them know that uh, he was a friend of August of Gustav and that he had a, a package uh, that needed to get back out of Lisbon. He w- decided to then wait at the hotel and they told him that they would go ahead and get him airfare back to London if that's what he wanted. At the time, it se- seemed like a good idea. The, p- the team has got some other ideas besides that, so we'll see where that goes. Stepping back, everyone, I'm going to explain something real quick because we haven't sort of said this before. There were three radios currently in the possession of the team. I'll go over where they got them. Ella brought one back from Section M so that they could contact Sidney Poulter. So team had one. The team also found one on the back of the Nazi um, in in the canyon fight. And then there would have been a shortwave at Chorgi's place to communicate with anybody up on the mountain. So they were able to actually have three radios. That puts one in New York City, one in Lisbon, and one with Jack at Kublawazi. So the team does have a, a means of communicating. If I didn't mention that on the air before, I apologize. So Vadim, how are you tonight? I am good keeper. Oh, good, good. Um, let's start with you. So the, the anointed time uh, that normally you would attempt to reach out to everyone, we're going to go by, we'll say it as, you know, Greenwich Standard or London Standard, because most of them were, yeah, would have been like, yeah, 9 p.m. 
and that comes, you're still waiting for the phone call back from the Gustavs to tell you, you know, what, what time the flight is, but you're able to, uh, you know, you have your kids. I'm back at the room. Yep. You're back at the room. Yep. They're probably very well fed and sleepy because they're just happy to be in a. I got them to sleep. And we had like a couple of rooms. So I, I have the ability to have them sleeping in one room, I think, and me in another room. Do you want them in a separate room? I don't want them privy to the conversation. Okay. So you're going to have to have separate rooms then. Okay. Yeah. We'll have them adjoining. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Gustav and I each had a room, right? Yep. Yep. So not a problem. Yep. Still occupying that. Um, I put my kids in my room and I'll be in Gustav's room. Probably a smart thing. I set up like a like a smuggler's alarm at the door, that type of thing, not knowing what's going on with Gustav. So so nine o'clock comes. I'll go ahead and um, uh, I'll turn on my radio and, and, you know, go to turn to the right frequency and put it, you know, leave it open and, you know, do the like broadcast call out, you know, Lisbon code calling in Lisbon code. You know, something like that. Yeah. Lisbon in a British one. accent. <laughs> Vadim, Vadim takes on a different accent. Lisbon one for cold and calling. Yes, totally not Russian in Lisbon calling. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jack, you're ahead of that timetable. You're probably several hours ahead of Lisbon. I would think it's at least two or three. So that's probably putting you a little later, like closer to eleven. But you had been entertaining for the evening, so it's not. A, it wouldn't be uncommon at this point for you to be able to break away and just check the radio. Yeah, you're the first one who was able to who picks up the signal. Three hours ahead. Just check. That's what I figured. Two to three. Yep. And New York is five hours behind, right? Behind. Yep. Yep. Okay, so he he hears Vadim uh, basically calling out. Yep. This is English receiving. English. It is good to hear your voice, my friend. It is good to hear you, Russia. We are having difficult time. Please explain. Um, good friend uh, G. Uh, he had to um. Uh, not his choice. He had to depart. I see. Ladies, go ahead. Everybody make me a luck roll. That's a four. Is it just, it's just success or non-success, right? For the ladies only. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's on my bad, but for ladies only. I know I did it too. I was feeling pretty. What, what, what level success? That's a, that's a critical success. That's just a regular success. So I'm not as special as Kat tonight. Okay, well, Faye bombed it, so... Uh, Faye. Uh, so, so Faye and Ella are wrestling on the floor of the office, Catherine, screaming about the prophecies or whatever, and Ella's like, but I was helping, things were going on, and all of a sudden you hear the radio chirp, and it says, G had to make... G had to depart wasn't his choice, or whatever Vadim said. You hear Vadim and then Jack's reply coming across the radio as the girls are having some sort of a dis- discussion about the sarcophagus. How big is the radio? It's the size of like um, like a microwave today. Oh. Yeah, they're pretty big. So a little conspicuous to carry it from the room? Not without help. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> you bitch. Why are you carrying it? from? This is my house. <laughs> I'm not carrying it from the room. I was trying to, when you take a call, you step aside. You step out. Okay. Yeah, and I'm only I'm, I don't know what they're doing. It was a joke because they've already gone to the Cobalt Club. Everybody's everybody met Kent Allard. Everybody's a little bit more relaxed, I'm sure. Oh, mm. anyway, okay. So she puts the headset on. Hi, yeah. Um, this is America. Mm, America. It is good to hear your voice as well. Hello, America. Likewise, uh, English, Kenya, and Russia. What happened to G? Over. G, uh, unfortunately, uh, will, will not be joining us anymore. What did you do to offend him over? 
No, no. Uh, G is good friend. I would never offend him. It was not his choice. This is Kenya. Is everyone else still present in the house? Crazies one and two are here over only one headset. Ow, get off of me. Stop. No. You hear in the background as Faye takes over for a second. This is Tiny Terror checking in, and yes, we're still here. I, I actually meant the other home, but glad to hear. <laughs> what about you, Russia? Is everyone else still in the home, or did others depart? Russia is, is good. Um, two packages have been secured. Good news, good news. Fantastic packages. We are concerned about, uh, about uh, leaving and uh, feel like that needs to take place soon. Right. I have a rather additional large package that I want to make sure gets delivered properly. This is Kenya. What are you doing with the smaller packages? Over. They, they, they are easy to uh, carry with me for the time being. Understood. Over. Will you be bringing the small packages to us? Over. Friend G had uh, planned on uh, delivering package to to London. Um, I have contacted his friends, um, and I think that that is where they expect me to go. Is this for the large package or the small package? Over. Mm, the the large package to bring it back to where it belongs. Should America meet you in London? For package handoff over. Oh, Russia would be uh, would be very grateful for that. Faye asked Catherine if she can uh, take the radio for a second. Yep. Handing radio over to Tiny Terror over. All right, great, thanks. Uh, this is Tiny Terror. I think that we need to keep in mind that um, other of G's friends have also departed. Yes, this this seemed to be an uh, uh, issue not necessarily involving me. It might now, since you have the large package. Uh, yes, that, uh, that thought has, has, has come to mind. Have all the Gs departed? Over. I only knew the one G. Remember, Russia, that I told you that the one where you are had departed. I don't remember where the other ones were. Hopefully phone call will, uh, will bring some light to this. Maybe the small packages shouldn't go to drop off the large package. The only option is for me to stay here, then. Small packages are... Uh, are small, but uh, but very um, very fragile. I must keep them close to me to make sure that they do not get um, broken. Uh, this is Kenya. I have small complication, uh, must resolve first, but can receive packages when finished if time works out. Over. Kenya, this is Russia. Uh, that is uh, that is the words I was hoping to hear. Over. Will you want me to pick up? In your home or in London? Over. I think Kenya will be um, our final destination. No? Over? That works. Over. Can, uh, can prepare the party uh, and get drinks. Over. Keep the fire burning. 
We'll do over and out. New York. Russia. Do you wish to come here or do you wish to meet in London? What does Russia think will work better? My instinct tells me that to remain in one place for too long is um, not generally a good idea. Then we'll see you at your next stop. I will, I will send information on how to, how to find me. Thank you, America. You got it, Russia. Stay safe. You too. Over and out. Over and out. All right. So the shortwave radio conversation uh, worked out. That's great. So the idea is that we're going to try to get to London first, uh, drop the package off, and then as a team, head to Africa so that we can regroup and figure out what the next phase of this, what's the next step in phase. So, uh, Vadim, you already going to have travel arrangements. Yeah, because this was a stopover. This was a stopover, and the check the the uh, switchboard was already making its uh, preparations to bring you safely back. So they're they're working on that. So let's talk about the United States girl, the, the ladies over there, Ella, Catherine, and Faye. Are how are you going about this? Are you doing commercial flights? Are you doing a semi-commercial flight with people from the Cobalt Club? Do you want to let them involved in it? Now, someone had pointed out that the Cobalt Club had been very helpful until it wasn't. Like in Germany, the Cobalt Club had been sort of infiltrated because we know that the Nazis began courting the, you know, the once they got the, the workers movement in Bavaria really moving, they knew they also needed money to fund things. So they started looking at some of the aristocracy to bring them on board to the national socialist concepts. So the Cobalt Club had been targeted, but everywhere else so far you've tried them they seem to be working for you do you feel comfortable with new york i'm of the mind that they don't need to know all of our moves but they have also been super helpful so i'm Faye would turn to Catherine and let her make the decision since she's the member and i think that she should get final say unless ella disagrees ella anything from you on that do you trust the cobalt club at least allard at this point yeah i would take input I don't know if we can trust the Cobalt Club because of like the past issues with Aveline's character. But Ella wouldn't know that, but she's kind of like saying at this point, I, I, the only thing I want to do is get back on track with the mission. We were supposed to be heading towards Italy, but instead we got diverted towards Nepal, and now we're not even heading there. We're going to Kenya. So really, she's just kind of flabbergasted that things have gotten so out of control that like we have to go to a completely separate continent that we didn't even need to go to in the first place so i mean if you trust them then she'll follow your guys's lead we can fly commercial i think it'd be fun my suggestion Mm -hmm. use the club to get to london because they know that that's where ella and myself are from anyway and then take commercial flights from the uk to kenya because that would be so much more common than a commercial flight from new york to kenya yeah and that way it's like, oh, hey, Cobalt Club. It's like, we li- I sent them to the UK, and then we really don't need, from there, two of us know London incredibly well, and we don't need them as much. Yeah. That makes sense. So you're going you're gonna to see if, so you're going to call, the con- Lauren, you're going to contact the Cobalt Club? Yes, I am. All right. And your contact there was Agnes. Okay. So you're going to contact, now it's fairly late. Um, are you going to wait till the morning to do this so that you can, because by now it should probably- I, Unless it was an emergency. There's no there's no need. We can arrange, we can call in the morning, everyone pack, say goodbye to the city that never sleeps, get some sleep yourselves. 
and we'll catch an afternoon evening flight. So let's uh, just go through that with Agnes real quick. You contact her in the morning. Let's say by eight o'clock, she is at her station or already inside the mem- you know the, the hall itself. Uh, you dial her from Faye's house phone. Not a problem. And uh, hello. Good morning, Agnes. Uh, this is Miss Ross. Uh, how are you this morning? Good, I hope. Oh, very well, Miss Ross. Thank you. And yourself? I'm I'm doing well. Um, so my my friend, uh, her family business has concluded in in America, and our travels are bringing us back to uh, to where I'm from. So um, I need to arrange passage to uh, England, please. I see. Not a problem. Are you looking to join other club members, or did you need something immediate? Um, when were you looking to leave? I was looking because, you know, the business is concluded. Um, we were hoping to leave in the next day or so. Day or so, I see. Uh, very well, I'm, I'm sure I can round something up. Uh, is there a number I can reach you back at as, as soon as I make some sort of arrangements for you? Uh, we'll be here. Uh, this is... This is the number of the residence we're staying at. You give it to her, yeah, no problem. I give her the number. Okay, all right. She says yes. Let me uh, let me make some inquiries. Uh, several of our members do have private private planes themselves, and uh, there may be somebody heading over for a jaunt, uh, or maybe interested in tagging along. We'll see. But I, I, I'm sure I can arrange something for you in the next several days, if not today. Thank you, Agnes. That's um, incredibly helpful. Of course. And uh, is there anything else, or just that? You did get the medical supplies on your last visit, I, I, I heard. And I did. And everything went well with Mr. Allard. Everything went well with Mr. Allard. I have the medical supplies. Excellent quality. I've been traveling. You don't know what I've had to work with. My God. One day I'll tell you a story about tubing and a Nepalese snowstorm. Terrible. And I've never done tubing. No, I mean medical tubing, dear. And, oh. um, and the Chanel, the Chanel suit that came in, that was lovely. So, yeah. No, we're... Oh, and the cigars. Got those too. Thank you. They came with a lovely bow. Agnes, Excellent. you've been a gem. And I hate to depart so soon, but needs must. I'll be in touch. Thanks. Ladies, are you continually tired even after a good night's sleep? Do you feel run down in the middle of the afternoon? Does the thought of your children returning from school fill you with dread and visions of Dante's Inferno? Have you found the ring of your husband's death side bell alerting you to his every need now grates on your every nerve? Help is on the way. The answer is convenient at your local supermarket and just waiting to relieve your tensions. Phosphorine wine. That's right. With ample and continual application of this tasty medicinal beverage, fatigue, depression, and general dissatisfaction will be replaced with zip. Zing! And energy that lasts throughout the day. Simply start each morning with a glass of phosphorine wine. A glass with lunch. Mid-afternoon, with your evening meal. Liberal applications when with family. And watch your cares evaporate in a haze of wellness and good cheer. Here's what Mrs. D. Walbash of Putrid, Ontario had to say about phosphorine wine. I've never felt so alive. It's the damnedest thing. It even makes being a homemaker bearable again. Who needs personal interests or a career when you can cradle this gallon-sized bottle of perfection all day long? And this testimonial from Mr. C.C. Simmons of Scungee, Wyoming. Ever since I purchased phosphorine wine for my wife, she's been an absolute gem around the house. 
doesn't even complain or go go mad when I go to poker with the guys several times a week. To top it off, our nine-year-old Missy has now become the best under-12 cook in all of Cannock County. Thanks, Fosbury and Wine, for giving me my life back. Seem too incredible to be believed? It's not. You, too, can become a liquid squid and enjoy every day with phosphorine wine. Phosphorine wine is 45% alcohol by volume, is highly addictive and habit-forming, filled with vitamins and minerals, and an excellent source of cocaine. Look for phosphorine wine in all your best supermarkets, liquor stores, bodegas, and corner shops. Phosphorine wine, mommy's new little helper. All right, so why don't we jump over to Jack for a minute. Jack, you had some things you wanted to do. Uh, you wanted to go and meet with the woman who was one of the uh, leaders of the tribe where you were raised, and she was sort of uh, very in- influential in your life as a young man, correct? Yes, yes. Kakayengu's mother. Yeah, she was basically my wet, my wet nurse when I was a child, yeah. So the uh, let me ask you this, Jack, uh, as, as we're doing this encounter with Mama Kenda and what you wanted to find out. Who are you bringing and how far does does Kakayangu's tribe live? Or, or are they on the property? Do they live adjacent near it? They're, they're uh, several a, days away? No, they're adjacent. They're on their own. They're on their own land, their own tribal land. But they're adjacent to mine. So figured it's. Um, and are they allowed to hunt your land? Um, I, they could if they wanted to. I, don't, I, I, I didn't sort of picture them doing that. But yeah, sure. It's a. It's a, yeah. I mean, I, my understanding is that my father had a very good relationship with them that they helped him form it. So he maybe purchased some land from them. So yeah, I don't think, uh, I mean, I have probably have several Miji Kenda men that are working as guides and different things on my property. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but it's not like, it's not a hostile relationship if they cross the border. No, 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 not at all. Of course. No, not at all. Okay. All right. So you get into one of your, um, Land Rovers or, or something of that nature that was running back then, uh, Land Cruiser. And do you take the ch- the girls with you or are you just going out there by yourself or with Kakiyangu? No, no, I'm just going to go by myself after they go to sleep. I'll have somebody look after the kids and I'll... So you're going to take off in the middle of the night and be there for the morning? Yeah, it's my plan is to go is to go overnight. Uh, plus, I don't need to sleep anymore, so... Correct. Not as... Very so little. I will send word ahead. I'll send like one of the one of the servant girls or servant girls out to uh, back to the tribe to let her know that'll be coming, let's say... I don't know. It would be probably like 10, 1030 or something like that at night once the sun is down and everything. Yeah. So by the time you drive out there, figure an hour or two. I mean, you're talking about 500,000 acres. That's Oh, yeah. I figure I figure probably two. Yeah. An hour and a half to two hours to get off the property. Yeah. Yeah. You find uh, most of the tribes settle down for the night. Uh, I, I don't know, uh, listeners, what the Mejikenda's lifestyle was. I know it's somewhat nomadic. So I'm, I'm assuming they have base of operations that go sort of where the water is. Is that fair to say, Joel? Or are they very, do they have, they're not as domestic, right? They're more of hunter, hunter gatherer type at this point. I think they're a combination of hunter gatherer and farmers, but they're like their sacred okay. places are woods. So they're, they're more towards the coast. All right. Uh, but yes, you arrive in the village and you know, she's out front of her hut. Uh, there's some other people talking to her, some other women. Uh, you Tribalism, uh, the way you know you remember this is that the men have their time and their stories and their ways, and the women have their time and their stories and their ways. And the like, they when they when when it's time for celebration, everyone gathers, right? But at the end of a long day of housework and everything, um, if if husbands are sitting around a fire smoking or having a drink or something, they're doing that, and the women are gathered around one like cooking fire or pot, and they're do, prepping things for the next day and kind of just talking and bullshitting while they're you know you know. Um, 
Sorry, yeah, very unfeathering, right, very shucking, female communal, right? Yeah, yeah, female communal, exactly. Uh, what's going on with your husband? And there's a lot more laughter from the women's side than the men's side because, as we know, when women get together, they tend to be a lot more filthy than men. Um, it's just they tend to be a little gross. I work Rude. in offices with all women, and they can be far more Rude. frightening than men once they get to know. No, that he's right. And we and but the, he doesn't have to air our dirty laundry out on the. No, no, it's not way. a secret. It's an any man over twenty five knows. <laughs> yeah, don't push buttons with the women in the group. We've all been blushed uh, before. So uh, the women are yeah the women are cackling and they're they're making their jokes, but they see you pull up and you hear Cavendish. I get this huge smile and I run to her to give her a big hug. I'm like, Mama Kenda, Mama Kenda, it's so nice to see you. How have you been? It has been too long. Way too long since you've been on the lands. It is good to see you too. You have no sun, no color. Where have you been sleeping? Where have you been walking? I have been north, far north in the snow. Nepal. Snow's no good for the bones. Stay away from the snow. Yes, I would. You need to be here with us. I would agree. I would agree. It was a poor choice. It was a poor choice. So you you come home, you see Kakuyango, of course. Yes, yes, yes. Was I I I saw my brother, and uh, I sent him off uh, to deal with uh, some poachers. He took a bunch of the men to take care of him. It seems he's taking wonderful wonderful care of the place and 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 running the business well in my stead. He is a man you should be very proud of, Mama Kenda. She says, "Do you you know most of the ladies here?" She, she starts naming some of them off. What, like two of them are her age and you grew up knowing them as well. Like, you know, neighbor huts and women that, you know, share cooking pots and stuff and the whole bit. A couple that you don't know. Some have been, you know, married into the tribe recently, younger women. But they're all very, very cordial to you. A couple of them kind of don't know you, so they're a little shy. But, you know, they they see her greeting to you and they recognize that you're a kindred spirit of, you know, of of this tribe. So she says, but it's, but I'm feeling that you need to speak to me alone. I I do, but I, and I, I lean in. I'm like, I, I need I need to speak to the medicine man. Is he is he around? Are you ill? No, it is a spiritual matter. I would not I would not burden you with this, Mama Kenda. You are a burden now. I can be. You know that. You raised me. What is family? But not to be a burden. It is the one people we don't think will judge us when we are a burden, and we are there to carry them when they are hurt and injured. No, you come. We talk as we go. You tell you tell me what's bothering you. What's what's bothering you, Cavendish? I was I was hoping to not have this happen near the village, but um, so ah! yeah, <laughs> exactly right. There there goes that relationship. Has Mama Kenda commented on his shades? No. Okay. No, I mean it's Africa. I mean it's very sunny, very open. No, it's the middle of the night. You said you were going after dark. Oh, that's true. That is true. So I'm just looking at. She's just looking at him, and that's why she said, "Are you ill?" Yeah, like okay, let's walk. So I, I just say that um, I, in, I encountered some unusual enemies in my travel, people that meant to do me harm, and others that I was with, and and I had to protect myself and them, and in doing so, you need shields and spears. No, 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 thank, no, thank you, You're very kind, but no, it's not. It's it's more a matter of. They left a poison in me. One of them got near me and, and left a type of poison in me, but it is. It is something unusual that I have never encountered before, and and I and I fear it would be frightening to others. And I wanted to know if there was a way to rid myself of it, but I am I am inclined not to show others, which is why I prefer this to be quite private. Private from me, very well. If so be it, I I take you to him. I, I care too much 
care too much to share it with you. I would prefer to, to remain your lovely small English boy, if that is possible. You think we women are so squeamish, she says. I've seen boils on asses and dicks fall off. You know this. I lift my glasses quickly and put them back. Okay, that's a little startling. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> she takes that whole thing back. She, she looks at your eyes and takes a step back and she says, that's from poison? I, I don't. I don't know what it is. They were unusual. They were, in some way, I, I think, spiritual. They had they had symbols that had been written on the backs of their necks. They were not normal. And and this is why I would not burden you with it. I, I, I need, These are men. I need to speak to the medicine man. I, I need to, to find out if there's a way. I don't know if they were men. They looked like men. They them and they don't. But they... They look like men and then they didn't. It would scare you. They, they were nightmarish. It's, it is not something that I would choose to leave in your memory. I, I want to save you from knowing of it. You think they're Bojo? Evil spirits? Yes. Yes, they were most certainly evil spirits. And how did you get this poison in you? I, I don't know. I, I, I suppose I, I was sick. I was hurt by one of them and I was out for quite a long time and... One of my companions immersed me back to health, and I believe they used some of their, unwittingly used some of their flesh to heal a large wound. And I sort of lift my shirt to show where the wound is. She spits white medicine. If, indeed. But it did, it did keep me alive. She, you would like her. She is very strong. Very, very strong. Her white medicine not so strong to keep your eyes from turning like that. Yes, well, but perhaps she did the best she could with what she had. We were in a very, very bad place. It was very cold, and I think they were just trying to save me. I I probably could have died, Mama. But you would have been in the green fields, and you would have been my lovely boy. Look at you now. And this is why I didn't want to share it with you, because I am no longer your lovely boy, am I? No. But we'll find out what we can do to get him back. As a little side here, the keeper's a prick. Go on. <laughs> and everyone's shaking their heads. All of you, you're grounded. Every goddamn, I can't see your head because you're not on roll 20. The rest of you are grounded. Why am I grounded? My reaction is of hurt and pain. How is that hurt and pain? He's not the little boy she knew. He's got goat eyes. What? You just took the prick award from bottom. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. Well, wait, maybe we should do. Wait, she could wait. have lied to me. She could have felt horrible, but not told me. Yeah. We should do an MPP, most prickish player, an award one <laughs> a, every day. I'm not a player. The sad I'm thing is, what would the award person. look like? That's unfortunately would be a bit phallic, I'm sure. Most prickish yeah. person. Yeah. <laughs> and I hand maybe this not. prick award to. Ooh. <laughs> maybe this is a bad ooh. idea. Very, very. Great choice of words, hon. Yeah. And it's anatomically I regret correct it. as well. I, oh, no. I regret this. Passing it around? No. Right. Wow, we and are just we'll really, on. we're killing it, man. Make sure you support it from the base. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> you no. take that back. God damn it. Go see your fucking medicine, man. I'm going back into, I'm going back into mute. I'm hitting mute again. Some jokes you must be told. Be ashamed. <laughs> Some things must be Ouch. shared. Okay, all right. So getting back into character. You are not. She's like, no, you're not my beautiful boy, but we'll see if we can get him back. Okay, moving on. So she takes you to the hut at the end of the lane. 
Um, this one has, I, I don't want to make this into something that feels so campy that it comes across as like looking down on a culture. I don't want this so to don't, become- Don't a, do that then. Yeah. No, no, I'm saying- but it's a witch doctor. Yeah, we understand. Right? I mean, so that's what they would call them. We understand that there are tribal people. They're there are people near the plain, near the coast. Sure, there are a few. There are a few uh, large sticks driven into the ground with some with animal bones and stuff. And all of this is for, for frightening spirits, right? I don't want this to look like you know Tiadama from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. I, a listener, I don't, that's not where I'm going. But it's still a hut of a medicine man. Now this is 1930s. And depending on the tribes in Africa, some of them were still very remotely, you know, were still far off from, you know, from a more modern culturalization of what happens, you know, like in the 60s and 70s, right? So we're still 40, 50 years from that at times. So, but this tribe is, this tribe is intermixed mixed with people. This tribe is, it travels, it's, it, it's met other people from outside of Africa itself. So it's grown and it's changed some of its customs and that's good or bad. But this medicine man is a traditional like medicine man. His name, Joel, is Sektu, and he's been around even when you were a child. Okay, um, he was obviously a little younger, but he's he's old. He's partially blind. He's got cataracts. And he's got that milky look to his Thank eyes. Thank God for not, that. <laughs> no, that's not going to help. Uh, but that's okay. So there's always a fire burning in uh, outside of his hut, and the smoke's wafting up to the sky, and and. It's just the way he is, right? He's got snakes in jars. He's got some things. It's it's all that kind of that 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 style of of herbalism and alchemy, right? That kind of medicine. And she walks up and goes, "Sektu, Sektu, it's me. I I need to speak to you, my my boy Cavendish. You remember him, the pale. He come back and he's got he's got either bojo or something wrong with him. Something something is inside and it's changing him. I need you to take a look at him, bojo." And he opens, he flaps open the curtain and he comes walking out and he's like, what do you mean, Bojo? And he looks at you and he says, I remember you, Cavendish, when you were a small boy. I remember you as a teenager too, causing mischief with Kakayangu. Where you been? Why you got Bojo in you? Perhaps I've been causing trouble elsewhere, Sektu. Perhaps you didn't, perhaps you weren't able to beat it out of me as a child. To teach me the right ways. I only laid hands on you when you laid hands on my things. A couple times. Come inside. Come inside. We talk away from other e- from everyone's ears and eyes. Thank you. Thank you. I know your time is valuable. Thank you so much. And I turn to uh, Mama Kenda, and uh, I, I go like as if I want to like sort of hug her, thank her, and then I sort of think better of it, and then yeah, don't do I'm that. like, uh, thank you, Mama Kenda. I am most grateful. Make a spot hidden. Oh my God, that's fantastic. That is a critical hit. You turn and turn back to see her ward herself three times and can I, can put I, her head to her can I change it put to her head fail? to her hands no and put your her head to her hands as you walk as she walks away there's a there's a shell or a piece of bone something you found um we're going to say shell that you had found and you had taken a small nail and you had so ever carefully tapped a little hole into this shell and you'd put it on a leather thong for her when you're, you know, when you found out the story about your mother and how she had to leave, and your father said that this is the woman that had raised you, so you're about five or six, and you had given it to her. She pulls that off and she drops that in the sand, and she walks back to her house. I look at it for a moment, and then I pick it up and I put it in my pocket. Come in, Cavendish. 
Now oh, he's he's a little bit uh, deflated now, so he he turns and and walks in quite deflated. What's wrong? Sit down and show me the problem. I encountered creatures in in another land, in a land called Nepal, with companions that I was hunting with, and they attacked us. And they looked like men, but they looked like dead men, skeletons, if that makes sense, in clothes. And they walked. And they they tried to harm us, and so we protected ourselves, and, and I did my best to protect them. Uh, at some point, I was injured, and I must have passed out. And uh, the nurse that was with us took care of me and, and tried to heal me as best she could. But my wounds were pretty grave uh, in my abdomen. And I point to my stomach, and I say that um, she had to use flesh from one of the creatures to heal me. And I fear it has infected me. And I'm, I'm worried about what is wrong now and, and what might be worse that I don't know about. And if there's something you can do, if anyone can, it would be you, Sektu. I have always trusted your wisdom. Do you show him your eyes? I show him the stomach first. Hmm. Is this everything? He asks. This, this is the result of the use of that flesh. Please do not run from me. And I remove my goggles completely. Oh. He just exhales a little bit. He says, um, Cavendish, you must have been grievously hurt. This is... I am, I am changed in other ways. I do not seem to need to sleep. And when I do sleep, I no longer dream. I no longer remember anything. Until I wake. It's as if when I'm sleeping, I'm dead. Well, you definitely have something there. There's something in there. Sit for me. I'm going to try you something. I sit down. Let's see if this does this. If it... He takes and he reaches in and he grabs this skeleton of a snake. And he puts some... He takes... There's a small fire in the corner of his hut as well. He starts putting some some stuff in there, and he mixes. It takes about twenty minutes, and he's just making mumbling sounds. And he brews this tea, and he pours it, and he puts the snake skeleton down, and he walks over to you, and he says something over the the, the cup, and he's like, "Go ahead and drink this." Do you drink it? Yes. Within twenty or thirty seconds, he fades, and the snake starts to move. You see the snake moving, but he's not moving. He's not even there. The hut appears to be empty of everything except the skeletal snake and like the dead bat on the wall is now moving its head around everything in the hut that was stuffed dried or being used for um to make unctions and other potions and things the cadavers and the and the the, the pieces those seem to be withering or pumping with life or moving sectu is not there uh, I think it's important to mention uh, to our listeners that my backstory is that I was, am a fervent believer of their religion and, and converted to their religion as a very small boy because my father was very a-religious. So while it is quite frightening to him, at the same time, he believes in this. So that's why he drank the tea so quickly. Cavendish, Cavendish, what do you see? All of the dead things are moving about me and writhing. The dead creatures, the remnants of your searches and hunts, all moving. You are gone. I cannot see you. 
Look harder. Find me. I, I look around the tent as intently as I can. You don't see him. I, I do not see you, Sektu. I cannot see you. And now? Do you see me now? You still don't see him. No, I, I, I do not see you. Where are you? Stay here. Go nowhere. You must wait here, Cavendish. The brew will wear off soon. I have to step out for a moment. You will be fine. Nothing will harm you. They see you as brother. They will not harm you. Just wait here. I will trust you, Sektu. All right, girls, back over to you. <laughs> uh, no, 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 go back no. to him. Like, I, I want to listen to this. It's all right. We're not going to do anything except for shop before yeah. we get back on the airplane. Like, no, go back to go back to Kenya. So a phone call comes, Captain. No! <laughs> it's a tension breaker. It's in purpose. He doesn't want No, to I don't need my tension broken. I'm scared. Do I answer the phone? Who answers the phone? I'll answer the phone. I live here. Yeah. I answer the phone. My mother and I live here. I mean, I live here. Um, Shut up. <laughs> I could answer the phone in a funny voice. The no. Dawson residence, lady of the house can't speak. She's in the basement. <laughs> you fucking stop that right goddamn now. All right. I I pick up the phone and I go, Dawson residence. Oh, Miss, Miss Dawson. Um, Agnes from the Cobalt Club. I was wondering if Miss Ross might be uh, available. I have some information regarding your plane flight that she had requested. I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just give me one second. And I cover the receiver with my hand and I turn towards the house and I just yell, Catherine, phone. Who is it? Who? It, you know who it is. She pokes her head out from, uh, she was in the library. She was reading a book. Oh, she wasn't soaking. Bring me the phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. She pokes her head in from the library. She's got a cup of coffee in one hand, a book in the other. It's Agnes. Who did you think was calling? I don't know. Maybe... Maybe they found me. I don't know. Give me the phone. Oh, God damn it. And then I just hand her the receiver and then I go. Listen, and you're not the only one with family drama. Hi, Agnes. Oh, I'm not the only one with Ms. family Ross. drama. Uh, oh, is, is Miss Dawson still on the line? Miss Dawson <laughs> is standing next to me. Yes, my family drama is nothing like yours. It's a different flavor, but that doesn't mean it still doesn't taste bad. I'm going to the kitchen and making coffee. So uh, if everyone's available to leave today. Oh, yeah. Um, we will get, we can get a flight out. It would be from Trenton Airport, and Mr. Allen has offered you the use of his own private plane. Oh my god, um, d does he want something in exchange or something? Like, are we gonna have to, like, complete some sort of mission? Mission? He didn't mention anything it, about a mission. Li listen, it's, I've been asked to do weird stuff before, so. For a plane ride? Oh honey, hold out for more. What? I I'm sorry, did I misunderstand? No, I'm talking about, like, smuggling. S smuggling? Like, moving goods across borders? <laughs> Agnes! Is that what we're calling it now? <laughs> Bottom's voice from the ether. Um. <laughs> oh, she's moving goods all right. Ah! She's been moving them across that border. <laughs> don't admit to, I know, don't admit to crime. Back what are you forth and back and forth. <laughs> what have I done? All right, she says, well, I, I don't think Mr. Allard's intentions were anything but to offer you... The use of his plane. That's incredibly kind. <laughs> I'm not used to that. If possible, I'll have the car round to you in about 90 minutes, and they'll take you. They the flight should be departing by about 2 p.m. Fantastic. You're you're a gem, uh, a saint among women, and thank you for all of your help. Oh, not at all. Best in London. And she hangs up the phone. I I always I I never. She she turns to whoever's in the room with her. I never get to say that before she hangs up the phone. Do you think she thinks I'm awkward? 
I mean, probably, but you're endearing, so. Am I? Oh, yeah. Equal parts. Yeah, you want some coffee? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, should, should I start drinking? We're flying again. Um, you know what? I'm gonna, my dad probably has a flask around here somewhere. I'm gonna fill it up with something for you and you can just start in the car. Great. I hate travel. I know I do too. All right. So you'll be on your way in about 90 minutes. Uh, that that's no problem. And they're going to take you to the Trenton airport. It's about an hour outside of the city, hour and a half. So yeah, you'll be up in the air by two and in London by about 8.30 PM. Cool. Back, uh, probably a little longer than that. Right? Five, six hours now. It's probably yeah, more like a 10 hour flight back then. Planes were going a lot slower. They're probably about 200 miles an hour. Yeah. It's gonna be a little longer than that. So what you'll probably end up doing then, uh, so listeners can understand, you'll fly to Nova Scotia tonight, land, and then you'll take off from there in the morning. Because they don't—they really don't like doing a lot of overnight flights unless they have to. You, you know, an Allard's guy is the same. You know, it's not normally recommended. All right. So, Vadim, last thing for you before we end up this episode for tonight, and we'll get back to Jack next week. Uh, Vadim, you get the phone call from the from the uh, the switchboard as well, saying that you have a a flight. They the what they were trying to do is get you a direct, but the only way they could make this work was through Madrid. So you'll fly over to Madrid and then over to London. So I must uh, secure cargo for change of flight? Flight doesn't change. It's just a stop. Ah, very good. You'll be staying there overnight, but the cargo will never leave the plane except for personal luggage. Everything will just stay as is, and then the next morning you'll take off. But there's really no direct right now that I was able to arrange uh, from Lisbon to London if you need to leave in the next 24 hours. If I had a little more time, I probably could have drummed something up, but... Uh, your choice. If you'd rather stay, I'll I'll, I'll work on something direct. No, 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 no. This no. Is... The uh, departing as quickly as possible is what is best. Uh, you are very efficient. Um, it's important that this gets done. I we we appreciate it very much that you're doing this. Vadim hangs up, <laughs> and Vadim has entered the awkward silence. And yeah, thanks, bye. <laughs> like okay, <laughs> <laughs> we have no. B- People skills on the phone. Learn them. They're important. <laughs> People thanking him. He's like, what? Pay me. Oh, pay like, me or don't pay me. Forget it. Shut up. What has happened yeah, to me? I'm doing all this for free. <laughs> <laughs> you wake your son up at 2 a.m. This is what I want you never to do. Never it's, do this. what I'm doing. <laughs> this softness in the heart. It's killing me. <laughs> um, all right. So when we get back, everyone will either be ha- hanging their way towards London uh, or uh, dealing with... Uh, the witch doctor who left them in a hut uh, watching things that should be dead squirm around and move. So uh, from all of us at the Bardic College, I want to say thank you, players. Thank you so much. Uh, we will be back next week with more of the show, Cthulhu and Cairo. Don't worry. We are heading back towards the main plot line, I promise you. But uh, we'll see what happens to Jack and the, and the team when they all get back together. From all of us, thank you. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, do all that nice stuff. Check out Lurking Fears. Don't forget Operation Poltergeist. People are already really talking about it and having a good time with it. And we'll check you out next time. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cthulhu in Cairo. You can like, share, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. The music you're listening to is Return of the Mummy by the great Kevin McLeod. Join us next time to see where our intrepid explorers find themselves next.